Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 134 of The Yacking Show. This is the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we live in. If you like our show, we'd love you to subscribe, and then you'll be advised of the next exciting episode. We always have interesting guests. Today's no exception, but before I get her to introduce the guest, I must welcome my co-host Kathleen Beauvais from Ontario and just give her a quick plug and say she wears other hats. And one of her main hats is Kerry Tech Solutions, where she helps you solve all your IT needs in the way of recruiting and that sort of thing. She knows a lot more about it than I do. So welcome, Kathleen. How are you today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being the guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Lama Yunus. Lama, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. So you are the founder of Eunice Coaching. Um, So please, for our audience, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you embarked on a career in coaching in particular and what inspires you about coaching? Sure. Um, Let me actually tell you, since you just mentioned my name and the business name all at once, um, just it's a, you know, kind of a fun uh, uh, fact for uh, listeners uh, that, that my business name sounds like it's my last name, but it has an extra S because it's actually Ness, not Eunice, uh, okay. but it's a play on my last name, which it makes it very convenient. Um, but uh, as, as my coaching practice, my coaching practice actually focuses on career coaching, but really the, at the core of it, it's really all about um, bringing out kind of your own unique um, uniqueness actually is what I'm going to say. And so what I ended up calling it is Uness because it also happens to be the play on my last name. So that's where it's, uh, that's where that comes from. Um, yeah, I, I've, um, uh, had, uh, my coaching practice for about a year and a half. I started just before COVID, uh, in the fall of 2019. And, um, that was coming off of, uh, a 14 year, um, corporate, uh, HR, career. Um, and, uh, just, you know, in 2019, I happened to kind of do a lot of, uh, personal reflection and, um, got to travel and do a whole lot of all those things. And I kind of decided if I don't, if I'm not going to try this out now, I'm probably never going to try it. So I'm just going to do it now. Um, so I did, uh, and then, uh, you know, after actually COVID hit it, um, uh, it really confirmed to me that it was the right time, um, because there was a lot of, um, you know, changes happening in the workplace, changing changes happening within people um, and their own reflections about uh, thinking about their careers or thinking about their personal lives. And so it, it seemed actually very um, appropriate timing to, to start and to really continue with this type of career coaching. Because like I said, my career coaching is focused on aligning your career with your personal values, your core values, because that's the only way you're really going to be kind of waking up loving what you do every day. I didn't want, I don't want people to be, I didn't want it for myself. And so I don't want people to be waking up just kind of grunting at the job that they're going at just because it's a job, right? Um, life is is a lot more than our jobs. And it's 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 just, it's holistic, right? It's, it's every angle of your life together, um, not just your career alone or your personal life alone. Right, right. Okay. So we, we hear a lot about coaching in this day and age and we, 
are exposed to a lot of coaches on social media and wherever mm. we look, there's, there's more and more coaches and it's, it's um, charted or published as a career choice for a lot of people. So I think some people might be jaded on coaching, but you say you have a unique approach. So tell our audience about your own unique approach to coaching, Eunice. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I'm kind of, uh, uh, the reason I chose, I did choose coaching um, as a path right after kind of, again, my, my corporate uh, time. But with the reason I ended up choosing career coaching specifically is so I can, I can capitalize and give people value in that specific area, given that I have that HR background. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've dealt with, um, you know, all sorts of uh, different aspects of whether it's career development or performance management or whatever you can think of in those 14 years of HR. And I've done that across, you know, I've, I've worked in Canada, I've worked in the US, I've worked in the Middle East. So I've seen a different range um, and across different businesses of all these types of things. So really the, the coaching, um, bringing that background into it can help and encompass whether you're going to be a, a manager and you're having difficulty uh, managing your team and you want to kind of talk through that, or if you're an individual contributor and you're reporting to someone, but you're still struggling with something with your career. The other part of it is the whole, um, which a lot of people are, more and more people are coming up with, is the kind of, you know what, I realize that I don't like what I'm doing right now, but I just don't know what else I want, I, need, I can do with my life. So I'm just going to keep doing this. And they kind of keep living with the misery and dragging their feet along. But there is a way to do that. And a coach is exactly what you uh, need in, in a time like that, where you're really kind of, no, I'm going to decide that I'm going to do something about it. When you come to me with coaching, I tell people very clearly from the beginning, I don't have your answer for you once you come, but what I do is I know how to get you to the answer. Mm -hmm. It's a mm -hmm. bit of an art and a science together. It's not just kind of, I, I, there are some, you know, specific tools that I have, I use with my clients, but part of it is an art too. Part of it is kind of, as I listen to you um, actively, what am I hearing in your, um, what am I hearing in the things that are not said? What am I hearing in your tone? What am I feeling in the shifts in your energy? And that's where we, when we kind of put them together, no one can do that on their own. No one should have to do that on their own, right? Um, so this is where I, why I kind of, uh, uh, how I approach my coaching basically with my clients. And I am okay. ICF certified, which is the International Coach Federation. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I made sure to kind of, um, tack that onto myself before I jumped into right. There I, are a lot of coaches out there, you're right, that kind of just say, hey, you know what, I'm kind of good at this thing, so I'm just going to coach people on it. But, uh, but you know, again, because of my extensive HR background, I, I know that things like um, being certified and being um, uh, something that, you know, having something that is, is uh, worldwide um, uh, known and a, and a certain benchmark is, uh, is always valuable to have too. Sure. Yeah. I'm just going to jump in there quickly, Kathleen, as well. That HR background sets you apart from most coaches because, for instance, someone who goes, who says, I'm having a problem fitting into my management team, for example, if they are telling that to a coach who's had no experience whatsoever of the corporate world and, and those problems, they're not going to be able to help that person, whereas you've seen it from the other side. Yeah, very good. No, I think that's excellent. Great. Mm -hmm. Over to you, Kathleen. So we've already touched on this a, a little bit in what you just said, but I kind of like to take a, a deeper dive into this. So there are people in th through the course of their life 
and their career where they feel stuck in a rut and they don't have clarity in terms of direction. And some may not even know what they want to do with the rest of their lives. So can you take us through the process of how you would go about drawing that out of them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I always think of it as starting out with um, a little bit more self-awareness. So you have to get to know yourself um, a lot more than you are at in that moment. Because if you're stuck and people will all, you know, by default say, what do you mean? Of course I know myself. And I'm like, but do you, right? Um, if you knew yourself, then you would know where you do want to go. So doing a couple of um, self-awareness exercises where you're really um, extracting your, your core values, your life values, um, when these things start, um, you know, when you put them on paper, when you speak out loud about them, your brain does start to pick out different patterns or different kind of thoughts from, oh, you know what? I remember when I went skydiving that one time, I really enjoyed it right? So what is it about skydiving that you enjoyed? Is it the excitement? Is it the, you know, whatever the sport part of it? Um, so being able to kind of pick different bits, uh, bits and pieces from all over the place about things that you love, things that you enjoy, <laughs> that's where we really start to kind of start increasing your self-awareness. Um, once that part is a little bit more, and it does take time to do these things. I also always tell people, don't think it's an overnight thing. Right. It is going to be kind of, I mean, if you like, this is going to be a long-term solution. So you should expect that it is also going to take some time to reveal itself. So, but starting with, with, uh, like I said, self-awareness and then doing some, you know, go out and ask a whole bunch of different people of different things. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people informational interviews are super, super valuable. Go out and talk to a whole bunch of people who you may not even think that you're interested in what they're doing, right? Um, because you never know what's going to kind of click when you when you hear about it. Um, so doing some more of that exploratory stuff to kind of round out and see if any of that stuff is going to match your core values. Why are these values important to you is really what you're going to be able to match with when you talk to different people and expand your awareness also on the outside, right? So you do your internal work and then you do your external work. And then you, again, if it's going to be, let's say we're talking about what other different job can I go to or a different career path, you also have to really, really know what is valuable for you in a workplace and what's valuable for you in the environment or the company that you're going to be in. Make a list of that. You don't have to describe um, or actually, you know, give me a list of name of com names of companies, but you do have to describe what is valuable for you. Is it flexibility that's most important to you? Is it, um, you know, the team? Whatever it is, there's a whole bunch of kind of different values, again, that I give people on. Pick out which ones are most important to you. And then as you're looking outside and as you're talking to more and more people, you have to make sure that these companies that you're talking to are matching your values. It's not just going to be whoever comes in mm -hmm. and offers you a job. You right. might be miserable at it, right? I've had that experience myself, that's you know, a company that's all shiny, but then you go in there and you're like, oh, this doesn't really match my values. And, and then you're miserable the whole time. Um, so, so doing, you know, again, extracting all these pieces of information at the end of that three-step process, things, more and more things start appearing to you that actually make sense because you now have all this information in front of you. So saying things out loud and putting things in, on paper in front of you to see them with your eyes and hear them with your ears gives you a different process than just all of these thoughts being inside your head, right? When, when things are just in your brain, they get really messy, 
right? But organizing them, putting them outside and allowing someone to reflect things back to you, right? A lot of the time in coaching sessions, when I tell people back what they're saying, they go, oh yeah, this is, I'm like, I didn't actually make anything up. You're the one that said it. <laughs> but all of a sudden it makes more sense to you when someone is saying it back to you, right? right? Or it right. hits in a different way, yeah? For sure. Here's a quick one that while you were talking, just occurred to me, do you find it a lot different working with introverts compared to extroverts? Is the process slightly different or, or not really? Or do you ascertain that very quickly when you meet them? Uh, that's an excellent question. No, I don't think, I don't think it's, uh, it's not necessarily, no, an introvert versus an extrovert thing. It's really a, where on the level of self-awareness spectrum are you? Okay. Mm -hmm. No, I just wondered. Interesting, because we we fall back back on the the Briggs um, analysis so often, mm. trying to analyze people. I wondered if that was relevant. Okay, what I wanted to ask you was your the, one of the tools you use, DISC. Perhaps you could tell our audience a little bit about that. I've used it, and I know a lot of people are not aware of it. I think it's a very useful tool. So perhaps you could talk a bit about that. Absolutely, I love the DISC assessment. So out of all of the big um, uh, assessments that are out there, DISC is really great because um, it's, it's, uh, it gives you enough detail, but it's also simple enough that it doesn't kind of, you don't drown in mm -hmm. how complex it is. Um, the other great thing about it that is really matching, uh, my work is that it's workplace, uh, focused, right? So it is about, um, how you, as your personality that you operate in the workplace. And it is also, um, it's always giving you, um, how you would work, um, as compared to or with your colleagues who are whatever other um, uh, profile they are that, that may or may not be different than yours. Um, so it is, and, and then the action items that come out of it and the plans that we put together as a result of the assessment are always, again, workplace focused. So it's, it's, it's very much matching um, or in alignment of uh, the career type of coaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's very revealing from my experience when, when you go through that exercise properly with someone like yourself guiding you. Uh, you get a really good picture of what you should be looking for or at. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Wiley is a, is a, it's the parent company. It's a, it is a very trusted um, source. They have uh, lots of years and lots, lots of statistics backing it all up when I was getting certified in that. And they kind of ran us through that. I'm not a numbers person at all, <laughs> but I still found it fascinating that they had that much statistics behind it to mm -hmm. actually, you know, if someone was and some people are curious about the background of how all of the questions of the assessment work that th there is information out there about about how it runs in the background and why why it places you where it places you mm, good so i have a question i'm going to put my glasses on here because it it revolves around <laughs> a quote on your website and i think it was one of your blogs and i don't know if you came up with this quote or if it's something that you found but I just want to read it for our audience. So it's, it's one about, we're going to talk about failure, this notion of failure. And the quote on your website reads, everything you perceived as negative at some point before somehow turned out to be a positive thing. So at worst, what you're doing now, if not the destination for the moment, is actually preparing you then for the next amazing thing that's about to happen. Is this just about pivoting your mindset away from feeling like a failure or is there more to it than that? Is it about, 
it is, it's definitely more about the mindset. So um, yes, no, I, I, I just to answer your first question, I wrote that um, out of uh, my lived experience, basically, it's right? Very insightful. Um, the, the, leaving the, the, the first company that I worked for, and I worked for them for 13 years, it was right out of school, and kind of the second employer that I worked with for a very short amount of time. And then when I decided to leave there and, and kind of took that break, um, all of these things for, again, someone who knows me personally, being you know a perfectionist or being too picky about details and getting every single thing right, um, at the moment seemed like it was possibly a failure. I was like, I just left my job without having anything in hand um but but again after you know going through and i got my own coach right i did i did group coaching right out of um uh leaving my job and I, i've been coached by by several people as i went along um it all turned everything around and with enough time it turned all of my perspectives around about these what i thought were so-called failures into actually this was opening up something else for me but I also say um, what's important about it being a mindset shift rather than just, um, you know, letting it happen to you is that you have to be willing to see the positive side of it, right? There's a question in, in, in coaching that, that I ask people a lot, which is, um, you know, when they're kind of very down about something and I ask them, what is the positive intent to have the universe always, you know, I know these sound like cliche quotes, but the universe, everything happens for a reason. So what is the positive intent behind this? There's every side of a coin has two sides. It's the same thing that is bad that is happening actually has another side that there's a positive intent to it. And so you just got to sit down and say, I am willing to look at the positive intent and then you will find it. But if you want to just you know, sulk in your misery and see only the bad side of it. That's, that's all that's going to show. Absolutely. No, I agree with yeah. you wholeheartedly yeah. because you are the person that you are today because of everything that you've experienced in your life. Take away some of those events in your life and maybe some of the wisdoms garnered from that experience would not be with you today. Mm -hmm. So there is always a positive side, even when in the moment, when you're living through the the, the, the crap of life, if you will, you don't see it until later on. But absolutely, I agree with that, Peter. And I, I think if you look at resilience, my experience, and I'm not qualified, but it's my opinion, that every little bit of adversity you face and overcome makes you a little bit more prepared for the next step of adversity. And, and we all face adversity at some stage of our life. Mm -hmm. So... I think there's another good side to some of the bad things that happen, that it's preparing you, even if you can't see the bright side at that point in time, it's preparing you for something that you might have to face in the future. So on your blog, you talk about not letting the half-life pass you by. Now, what do you mean? Tell the audience a bit more about this half-life story, because I'm into the second half of my life, as you can see. So I'm very interested and in <laughs> yeah. see if I can get another half-life coming along. <laughs> It's uh yeah so half life is uh in 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 that terms it's uh it's in the terms of um kind of more of a I don't know how to describe that it's actually it's something like describing the half life of an atom um mm -hmm. but the, the reason I say that half life in 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 that post specifically I was talking about when you when you experience something that kind of either really makes you very happy or makes you very sad or or depressed or whatever. Um, when in that moment, when you decide to do something or you kind of decide, okay, I'm at an extreme, um, what am I going to be doing about this? Um, that ex 
excitement or the drive to get up and do something, there's a half-life to it. Mm -hmm. That half-life is probably about, I don't know, a week, two weeks. It's kind of like when you make any new year's resolutions, right? The half-life is that, that, that period that's immediately following the, the, when you decide to make um, the change. And then, so if you don't capitalize on it and you don't immediately take the opportunity and do something about it and do something, meaning not just say, okay, I'm going to get up and do something, but um, actually, you know, buying into the membership, getting yourself uh, committed to something in a way that where you can't pull back, you got to be able to do that commitment in that initial half-life because after that it's gone and you're going to just go back to your normal right you you will have kind of calmed down from the situation Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's just going to keep repeating and that's what a lot of people do they miss these half-life opportunities Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you know it's a year two years later two years later and they're like oh nothing happened in my mind my life didn't move on nothing i'm still in the same point of well it's because you don't you're not taking advantage of that initial half-life of the excitement of you know whenever something was happening or conversely, if somebody, and I think you talk about this in your blog posts, is if somebody is an ab- absolutely miserable in their position and they've had a horrific day and they're, uh, they are ready to quit, they want to walk out the door and they, they just that, that feeling of I've had enough, but as soon as they walk away, they go home and they simmer down yeah. and it's past. Um, and they don't do anything about it. They end up getting up in the morning, going back to work to that same environment. And, and, and they end up being there for years mm-hmm. on years and years because they haven't taken advantage of that half-life, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and just, you know, again, for if, if to, to make it a little bit more um, tangible to listeners to kind of understand this in a, in a, in a you know, down-to-earth way, um, the way you will realize um, that you, it is getting closer and closer to really, you know, shake up yourself and do something about it is that you'll find that that half-life is repeating more and more frequently. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's happening every, you know, once, um, you know, once or twice a year, yeah, you're probably still going to find that you're able to live with it and you just move yourself along. But if you start finding that you're hating your <laughs> job or you're thinking these thoughts once a month, <laughs> once a week, now every day, that's really that should really be the alarm for you to kind of get up and do something sooner rather than later right if it's again if it's once a year it's not going to hurt anybody you won't feel it but once you find yourself you're getting into that vicious cycle over and over again and a lot more frequent uh basis that's when really that's your alarm get up and do something (laughs) right got it good so we're gonna switch gears a little bit and just get to know you a little bit more and um so you mentioned that you have a small baking business. It's a side gig that you have. I do. Yes. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love this. Is this a way for you to kind of find balance with all of your interests? Yeah, you know what? Actually, this this started uh, probably back in 2011. I was living in uh, in Schenectady, New York, which, if anybody knows it, it is um, there's not much going on in that little town. Right? <laughs> it's very very much about kind of where the employer that I uh, that I used to work for. And um, so one of the days, you know, I was living alone, and 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 I called my mom. I'm like, this, this dessert. And my mom is a great cook. Um, I really really want it. There are no Arabic stores around here anywhere. Can you just you know tell me how to do it? So she walked me through it. And since then, I've kind of found that I'm like, 
okay, I want to do more and more. And then I, you know, I, I, I make them, I don't want to leave it in the house. So I take it to the office with me the next day. So then it became an every Friday thing. Um, and, and eventually, you know, a year or two later, I actually started taking um, some uh, cake decorating courses because I just found it so fascinating. Um, so I took a couple of courses at Wilton and uh and i just love it i find that it you know it makes people so happy to <laughs> even though the cakes were not that like they're not any more special i'm not like a, you know a super baker or anything but it was all about how you know when you tailor the the decoration to someone and they 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 eat it with their eyes before before the taste and it made people so happy and i'm like wow this is such you know for something that's making me happy i'm kind of in a meditative state when i'm decorating a cake um, so it's made me happy and now it's making someone else happy. I'm like, oh, this is a winning formula. Um, so, yeah, so I just kind of been doing it on the side with, uh, you know, when I was working and now as a coach, um, because it's just, it's happiness all around. So. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Sounds, sounds like a wonderful idea. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we lived closer. <laughs> <laughs> Get something. And you know, there's there's this uh, quote out there. I, I I forget the exact wording, but um, it's it's always telling you something about you know about when you're bouncing your life, you should find uh, one thing that you, uh, what is it? One thing that's going to keep you moving, one thing that you love to do, and one thing that's going to pay you. Yeah. Um, something like that, right? It's a diagram with like these, uh, you know, three circles. And yeah, that's basically what <laughs> my baking is kind of the, the something that I love to do. It's a hobby. Yes, I sometimes occasionally make money from it, but it's not really for the money. I do it, sure. you know, me. Sure. Wonderful. And and I, I do a few really physical things, not baking. I once baked a pie, but um, I cut wood. <laughs> I heat with wood. So I find the manual work is such yeah. a good um contrast to the computer work and the writing creative and thinking that at a weekend when I'm cutting wood or cutting grass on the farm and I can just switch off and enjoy the process it, it's a it's therapeutic you know I find and I guess it's uh, women who knit tell me the same thing that they find knitting um, wonderful in that respect so I've got a question I ask all successful people and I'm putting you in that category from listening to you talk and that intrigues me as a study of um, human nature over a long life now. In your experience, what's the single characteristic that sets apart the successful from the average? When I say successful, because you're a coach, I don't only mean successful in making money. Let's say successful in having a well-balanced, happy, and contented life. What is there one thing that sets those people apart from the people who are stuck in that rut we were talking about who, who are miserable? I think different people will tell you different things about this, but um, from from my nature, from my experience, what keeps me on the more successful side of things is consistency. Okay. When I'm consistent with, um, yeah, my routines, my habits, um, even going to coaching for me to get coached, right? Uh, being being in a consistent state was always going. Even if you don't know, you know what you're doing well enough, being consistent about it is eventually going to get you there. That's actually. Yep only thing that's going to get you there so consistency and persistence right kind of yeah sure sort of go together and those two and in that combined have come up quite a lot haven't they Kathleen absolutely yeah and it's interesting because we uh, almost uh, every show we ask that particular question and and we're seeing patterns aren't yeah. we Peter it's, it's absolutely pretty, yeah and that's definitely one of them and we're probably seeing no more than 
one or two outliers, but I would say they could all be grouped into six, about six characteristics. Uh, and this is one of the main ones, yeah. Perseverance yeah. comes into it a little bit. No, thank you for that. I appreciate that. So uh, have, we got, have we got a minute? We got a minute before Kathleen asks you how people can get hold of you. You said that you'd worked in, you said in North America and the Middle East, and I think you said Europe as well, did you? Three continents? Uh, no, just me and North America. Okay. So major differences in, in business, in coaching, in HR between Middle East and North America? I find the major differences is um, in the pace of life. Mm -hmm. um, because that's what always ends up kind of then uh, mildly adjusting what I have to do when I'm coaching someone in those different places. Um, in Canada, we are a little bit more laid back, right? Uh, when I was working in the U.S., people always, they're, they're usually bigger companies, they're global, there's a faster pace, everyone's moving around, they have more um, things that they have to deal with. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I found that dealing with, you know, employees or working with employees there is, uh, is different. And the Middle East is just, it's craziness. It's all over the place, right? And again, mm -hmm. pace is a little bit faster there. I, it took me a while to adjust actually when I came back to Canada after working outside for a few years. Um, because when I came here, I was like, why is everyone so like quiet and not doing anything? Right? <laughs> so I had to adjust myself, right? But um, but yeah, it's all about kind of the environment, really, the environment that you're in is, uh, is very right. much a determining factor. Yeah. I had to ask you that. I spent most of my life in Africa and um, I find huge differences in pace of life and the way things are done as well. So thanks for that. Over to you, Kathleen. <laughs> well, we're almost out of time, Alama. Can you tell us how people can contact you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the easiest way to uh, to contact me and to find me consistently is on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Um, so on Instagram, my handle is Career Coaching by Lama. Um, that's uh, you know again where you find me. You know, almost daily posting um, on LinkedIn. I'm a little bit more uh, uh, business focused and a little bit more career focused. Um, again, my my profile on there is just Lama Yunus. You can find me on there. You can also find Yunus Coaching, but I post mostly from my uh, from my personal. Uh, account. Excellent. Excellent. And your website, we'd like to put your website on there as well. Yes. And my website is unes.com. So the one with dossier, sorry, with a, with the double S, Y, double S, UNES. Got it. Okay. We'll put all that on there. I apologize for the, the mix up there. No problem at all. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us, Lama. And thank you all very much for tuning into our show. And again, we love reading your comments. So keep those coming. And anyone out there interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.